Hey, and welcome into the podcast today. My name is Jim Martin. We've got a special treat for you today. Well, not quite special. Brad and Greg are off into the world doing different things. Brad is out uh, buying every piece of real estate he can find in Florida. And uh, Greg is uh, trying to close a $3 million client today. So I'm flying solo. Well, not quite solo. I've got a, uh, I've got a guest here, Joseph Ladner. Big Joe's here. I'm excited about this. He is an Edward Jones advisor. And I'm going to tell you, we were talking pregame here. This is the first time on any podcast that I've ever listened to. And I listen to a lot. I never heard an Edward Jones guy. So this is my Icelandic brother. Welcome to the show. As we go through today, I want to talk about your business, learn about what you're doing. I think you're doing some great things and, uh, and learn more about you. But uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I think Brad was scared to be on here with me. So he made excuse about Jet in Florida. Yeah. That, that it's typical Brad. He does not want that conflict there for sure. <laughs> so you're a, you're a, a SEPA certified exit planning advisor and a CFP and you're located what, in somewhere in Tennessee. Where are you at in Tennessee? Yes, I'm located in Athens, Tennessee. If uh, you look on a map, you find Chattanooga and Knoxville and look dead center between the interstate with those two. Athens is right there, pretty much halfway between both of those. So awesome. About three hours from Atlanta, Nashville two hours from Birmingham. So close to some pretty big hubs, but yeah, nice you're, little, you're in the center of everything, but, but still rural America, I'm sure in a lot of ways, that part of Tennessee. So you and I have a lot in common then being where we're at, we're both rural advisors, uh, but that doesn't slow down your growth at all. And what I really want to do today, I'd like to, I'd like to hear about, cause you have a, you have a fascinating story. I'd love to hear uh, about what you did before you became an advisor. So what were you doing prior to uh, working with Edward Jones? Yeah, absolutely. So I started with uh, Fastenal, their industrial tool company. So I was a uh, sales manager, what's called an implant. So we had a small store that was actually located inside of a major factory. We created a store tailored to them. Um, I think that helped me a lot transitioning because the main thing working there was we identified problem areas for these factories. We help develop a solution for them to improve the increase of productivity, their output, reduce downtime. Essentially, it was all solutions-based is what they they pretty much coined it as. So I remember when I came to the advisor world from there, I was like, oh, neat, it's the same concept. It's what's, it, what's the problem that's going on here? How do we address this and fix it for moving forward? So it really easily helped me kind of just transition into that. Uh, my unofficial role, I made okay money, but I would say it was my quote unquote career. This is what I was hoping for, by the way. I just want to make yeah. sure I'm clear. Like that sounds fascinating, but I'm I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> we had it teed up, right? To yeah. Get all the juice and stuff. Uh, I was a professional wrestler on the independent scene for about 14 years. Uh, wait, 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 wait. A professional what? Professional wrestler. Okay. Go around, read the months. <laughs> Um, I did that for about 14 years. I still do a local show here. I only do about two or three times a year. Wait, uh, I want, I want to ask the question that we all, you know, as a kid, I watched it all, man. And we had the age old argument that all kids have. Is it real or is it scripted? It, I, <laughs> I always say the, the best way to explain this, I've got some damaged knees, a damaged back. And I've dislocated both shoulders. Uh, my fingers, if I straighten them, that's what it looks like. Yeah. I've got to push it up because all my fingers have been dislocated at some point in the ring. <laughs> Am I punching somebody with full force trying to hurt them and kill them like a combat sport? No. Am I hitting that person? Yes. Yeah. Are we 
putting on a show just like a, a Marvel movie or Wicked or anything like that. And yes, we know how we want things to go as far as predetermined goes, but we don't know what's going to happen in between. Yeah. So we've got an endpoint to get to when we start at and we'll work our way through that together. Yeah. But I could tell you, Mel, since that's a question, I, we hate the word fate because it's like, I've got some injuries I can tell you about. I've got some black guys I can tell you about. We don't say what movies those are fake. Yeah, when I saw a Barbie movie, that was the fakest thing I ever saw. No, it was cool. It was entertainment. It was fun. Yeah. But are we thinking they're punching each other in the face? No, it, it's, you know, yeah, it's probably some contact, but we're not trying to kill somebody. No, it's good, clean, fun. This is wrestling is good, clean, fun. It's Americana. It's a great time. So that's uh, how much fun I've got. My wife is, my wife's from the, the Davenport area and they've got, they've got all this, like these wrestlers and the, their barns and like, they have these, uh, you know, the OCW, I can't remember what they called it, but they've got, and they have a couple of guys that, you know, got to the WWE that were wrestling in the barn. So, and I would yeah. ask her, I'm like, her brothers all did it. And I asked them the same thing. They're like, yeah, it's not like we're not beating each other up, but we're sore afterwards. Cause yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating. So that's pretty cool. So. <laughs> I have to imagine though, I mean, all things considered, I, this is a, this is a conversation that I have with my staff constantly that everything we do is a prop and, and it's the same way. And it's a lot of entertainment in a lot of ways. It's not entertainment where you're trying to entertain somebody, but you know, in the financial advising space, I mean, really all we need is a phone and a computer to do our job. We don't need the office. We don't need the water on the table. We don't need the nice artwork. All of those are props to make people feel comfortable to present a professional setting. So I have to imagine like, some of that wrestling background you have, although you're certainly not an actor, has helped you connect with people in some way. Oh, absolutely. And it, it was funny, like all this stuff in my life, I always wanted to be an advisor, like a grade school. People talk about being a, a firefighter, a policeman, a lawyer. And I'm like, I'll be a financial advisor. It's like, what is wrong with you? But in my head, it was like, all this stuff just clicked. I love finances. I love the ins and outs of money. I'm an entrepreneur, a capitalist at heart. So I love teaching people. I was like, pro wrestling helped me kind of develop that too. They're training people, learn how things work. I was like, I love this. It, you know, it, it was my blood in my life. When I got the time to give the opportunity, as well, like a lot of flat people talking about Edward Jones, but they're the only place to give me an opportunity. I had my degree. I had plenty of work experience. I called several different places as far as applications. And, oh, you know, sorry, you, you need to have some more experience. You need to do this. You need to do that. The first thing they asked me was, what are you hoping to get out of a career like this? What's important to you? Let's talk about your family. Let's talk about your background. And you know, they let me run from there. They said, hey, as long as you follow being legal and ethical throughout your career, you're never going to have an issue. Like, sky's the limit for whatever you want to do. Yeah. Everything they've told me has been spot on. So like, I don't feel like bad experiences, but personally, I always say, was it you or was it the place you were at with the yeah. experience? But, yeah, that's true. You know, a couple of things struck me there. Number one, the fact you wanted to be a financial advisor. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a stockbroker, stockbroker or professional baseball player. So I get it. I'm not a stockbroker. I'm an advisor. You know, that doesn't really exist anymore. And like you, you know, I was a, I was kind of a mid career changer when I got into business. I got in my business in my mid late thirties. I wish I'd gotten into my twenties, you know, I'd be managing a billion dollars by now, but life took me down a different path. And I felt the same way about Edward Jones. I got in and they gave me a chance and they didn't lie. I mean, it was not a great fit for me personally, long-term. But it allowed me to come in and learn the business in a, in a good way. And the same way, like, do you like people? Do you do the right thing? Can you take care of people? Can you follow a process? Yes, sir, I can. 
you put me in coach and it worked out well. So I, I'm glad that, you know, our, our journey is kind of parallel there. It's, it's pretty fascinating. I didn't know all this stuff about you. I knew the wrestling beat, but the other stuff didn't know. So let's, let's talk about your business now. Where, where are you at? Like what's your business look like? You've got a couple designations. Um, I'd love to learn more about it. Yeah. So, um, uh, as far just as, as a whole, essentially I run mostly a kind of asset under care based practice. Um, I do provide insurance for clients. It makes sense as part of the plan that we're developing, but those are the commission piece of what I do. Everything else essentially just an asset under care model I utilize. Um, and I try to avoid commission-based business just because I don't feel like that's the best option in the world that we're living in. And like we talked about, that was kind of that mindset from before, but I don't think it was just Edward Jones. I think it was the industry as a whole back from the 90s to 2000s or mm. 2010s of just, hey, it's that's what the world was. So let's link an A share. No, it was everywhere. Yeah, it, it, that was not a Jones issue. That was that was everywhere. Or, or they were selling stocks or UITs or bonds and churning them up. I mean, that was, yeah. th think about how you made money like 20 years ago. You didn't, there was no fee base. You had a book of clients you either had to acquire or you started the top and called down and then reversed it. So. Th yeah. That's that's no, not I, a Jones thing. Yeah, and we for uh, part of our business, the big thing we looked at was, you know, we want to help all the families we work with, organize everything that they've got, build it appropriately, make sure that all that money is earmarked for certain reasons, well, all just something flying blind, and protect them and their family from foreseen banks. Like I've seen too many people without good estate plans, get protection in place, and their family suffers. Our big thing was like, how do we create that with them to create some peace and comfort in a very turbulent, volatile industry <laughs> like financial services? So with us right now, we're at about 120 clients. Um, by end of February, I believe I'll probably be at about 40 million on my book. Um, I've been from the get-go trying to stick with like the ideal people I like working with, not just taking some of the clogs in the air because, I mean, it's... You know, it's, it's one lie. I'm not going to kill myself for people that don't want to work with me or yeah. don't want, don't appreciate the things that we do. So ideally we're trying not to be at more than about 200 at any time. And I'm talking to before about capacity. Uh, you guys talked about the podcast before too, but to me personally, that's the big thing is the capacity issues. I think we can provide this level of service to 200 people at a very good deep dive way and not sacrifice other things in our lives. So. That's kind of one of our biggest thing that we, we focus on of our business and that most people are like family to us. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing about being a financial advisor is you can do it your own way. There's, there's not a recipe that's right for everyone. My model is not necessarily your model and your model doesn't have to be Brad's model and Brad's doesn't have to be Greg's. We can all, yeah. we're all in the same industry, yeah. but we can do it different ways and deliver the, the, you know, the interesting thing is right before this, I was talking to a prospect and. Um, they told me yes, uh, which was great news. I mean, it was a small, it, it was $800,000 client. I'm happy to get them. Nice people didn't move my needle on my business much, but they're nice people that I want to work with. And you know, they were, they said, Jim, there's a, there's a guy that's in Virginia beach that, um, yeah. that we were con connected with and they're willing to offer the services cheaper. And I said, well, that that's great. If price is the only concern and you're okay with a virtual kind of relationship, then I encourage you to do that. Like there's. There are business and people for every, this is the exact lines I use them. There, there's an advisor for everyone out there. Find the yep. person that's right for you. And when you work with us, this is our fee and this is what we deliver. And if we don't deliver it, fire us. It's really, really that simple. And I think that's uh, I so I think it's great. You're running it the way you're running it. So your goal is to get to 200 clients 
how are you going to get there? So what do you, what have you been doing to grow over, over your career? And by the way, how long have you been an advisor? I, I don't know that I asked that. When did you start? Uh, so I was licensed in October of 2018. So okay. this was my sixth, sixth year going. Perfect. Uh, starting off, it was you know, knocking on doors. I, they told me when I started was, hey, you're likely going to be going to residential and knock on people's door and meet them. Are you okay with that? It's like, hey, I'll do whatever I need to to build, to build a business. Like in my head, I went, how quickly can I meet as many people as I need to to quit doing this? I don't want to quit it. Yeah. I just feel like love it, more power to them, but that's not me. It's like, I don't want to be out doing that. So starting off, it was that and then 2020 hit. And I told myself when I was about four or five years in, I tried to switch to a referral based business. And when COVID hit, I just talked to my business coach. We were like, why would we wait to do that? Like, why don't we just start that now? Like, it's not a certain type period you have to have. So 2020 of COVID, I just asked every single person I work with, I said, could you help me right now with everything that's going on in the world? And I asked for an introduction to someone I was worried too that I could help. And from that point forward, our business just started exploding from there because of referrals. So, so let's pause there for a second. So, yeah. so what you're doing, you, you made a decision to engage with your clients in a proactive way. And walk me through, what was the language like? When, you, when you're sitting across from a client, how did you end up asking for the referral? Yeah. So with 2020, we were pretty much over the phone or on Zoom. So I would lead in with everything going on in the world. Like, hey, it's kind of scary. Nobody really knows what's happening right now. Uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, everyone look at it. I'm an essential employee during this time. So I'm out and about. Um, yeah, before we get into anything, I just want to ask, how are you doing? How's your family? Are you guys okay? Um, do you need anything for groceries or whatever if you're stuck at home? And then we start talking about just their goals, the things that we planned for and saying, hey, we talked about at some point, there's going to be some variables coming that could throw things, a wrench into the plan for a short period. I didn't think it would be the world shutting down for two weeks people staying home, but that's where we're at. So Here's how we navigate this. Is our is our goal still this? Are we still trying to do this? Are we still achieving that? Okay, and this is one of those short-term things that's going to disrupt, but we just have to have a good plan in place like we discussed. And then I asked them at the end of that, we had covered everything. They felt good. I told them, you know, the big point of my business was getting out to the community and meeting. So I'd go knock on doors. I'd be at events. And obviously we can't do that right now. So I wanted to see if you would, would not mind just helping me this year or something. So absolutely, what do you need? Well, with my business, we pretty much have to just be referral introduction based at this point because of where the world's at. So if you felt like we've taken good care of you and you trust us that we've done a good job, if there's a friend, family, or coworker you know of that is stressed with this situation right now, it needs some guidance, just please get us their information and I'll reach out to them and see if I can help them as well. And I think that in year 2020, I think we had like 40, 45 referrals. Oh, buddy, that's awesome. And ended up onboarding about 30, 35 of those. So shocking when you actually ask for something of people who like you, they'll, they're willing to do it. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. I just carry carry that on to now. Now it's kind of shifting to those ideal people that I call our platinum clients. We just love, we got a great relationship. They trust us, you know, wholeheartedly with everything. That's kind of the lead with them is just, hey, this is how my business grows. It's meeting more people like you. So here's what that looks like. Yeah, I don't think you should be shy talking to your clients and explaining what you do and how you can help their friends or family. You know, one of the ways that um, we do it, and we, we do it very similar to that, and I'm not saying we're as good at it as you are because, I mean, 40 referrals, holy mackerel, that's awesome. 
The way we do it is, you know, we ask them, are you happy with the service we're providing? Is there anything you could change? And they're, he's like, yeah, we're, you're doing great. We always just underline it. You know, the world's a difficult place right now. High inflation, election coming up, volatile markets, wars all over the world. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of concerns. And if you have friends or family who are sharing those concerns that you think we can help out, love an introduction. Yep. If you just, if you just ask, magically something happens. But I, what I think you do better than I do, you're asking them to not just offering it, but you're asking them to help you. And most people who are nice, if you've cultivated a book of business of nice people, they want to help you. They're helpers. Yeah. So I think you've done something magical there. Now you're talking about your platinum clients. And uh, so your segmentation, you segment them based upon precious, precious metals. We, uh, I, I use the tools that are available to me. We yeah. got color codes that we have with, with our client system. So before I was just utilizing, we've got red, green, yellow, and then a silver. So silver wasn't really using for anything. This year we've adjusted that where the silver we'll call our platinum. And then we got the green, yellow, red from there. Okay. So, okay. so that's like, that's like our A, B, and C that other people do, or I've heard of the platinum before. That's cool. Um, so your platinum people. Let's talk about your service model. Now, now I get yeah. how you're growing your business. You're, you're, you're asking for help and you're doing some other things that I definitely want to dive into a little later. Um, but how are you serving your clients to keep them happy and referring to you? Absolutely. So the biggest thing to us has always been communication. Um, and there's some studies out there that's talking about advisor um, retention rates with clients. One of the biggest ones was the communication piece. It's like if you're making at least four contacts a year, there's a really good chance those clients aren't going to leave. But they may have some money out there that you're not taking care of because they just don't feel like that you've gotten the service to take care of them. Then there's those clients that if you're making at least one touch a month, that there's a 99% probability of those people that they are moving everything to you to take care of. So we looked at that in our business. We said, all right, if we're going to segment this out like that, well, what is this going to look like and how's it going to operate? So I love traveling, uh, being wrestling, did a lot of different travels to go places. So I flew Delta quite a bit. So the thing that I looked at with that was if I'm thinking of a Delta experience, what does that look like? So for us, our platinum clients is what we call our first class clients. So those essentially, we call them an anchor client. We love those people. They love us. They've got everything with us because of that deep-rooted trust that we've got in the planning that we do. So we're essentially family with those platinum clients. I don't see anything happen that they would leave. Those people receive an instant callback if I'm available to that day when they call for something. If I'm in an appointment and 10 minutes later I'm free, I'm calling them to answer that question and my office uh, partner can't do it. They will get 12 touches a year. Two of those are scheduled calls with me. Two of those are appointments throughout the year, biannual reviews. Two of those are a birthday cookie and an anniversary gift for them every year. And four contacts are from my office partner. Two of those are unscheduled with me as well. So at least once a month, they are getting something from us as far as a touch model. Uh, all their asset management, I mean, that's not a big concern for anybody. A lot of ours, we have, like I said, asset or care model we're taking care of. So there's nothing crazy on the asset wise, but we're always looking for tax loss harvesting opportunities, talking with their CPAs, their attorneys, and there's things we should be looking at for their accounts and making sure everything is doing exactly what it needs. And we're constantly talking about what's coming up, what's coming up, what's coming up. We know three months we got something. Let's get that prepared for now instead of waiting till it's time. So 
That's our platinum. Our greens are referred to like a comfort plus, if you're familiar with Dell. I am. Quite first glance, there's that little screen in front of you, but you're almost there. You still get free You so, get free drinks in comfort plus, by the way. Yeah, you get free drinks from that. Yeah, so, I like it. <laughs> uh, our green people, it's the same thing. We get along with them really well. Uh, they respect and value us, but there is some additional opportunities outside there with them if they will embrace the full process. Yeah. So they're working with us. We know there's something else. They just haven't quite gotten that point in while we're to us yet. So they may have some concerns about having one person do it all for them. We're just maybe trying to work through those kind of issues. If they were to leave us, it will be hard to take because we do get along from really well, but they may not be fully embedded in our business like our platinum people are. So it's not like it, it's going to destroy us if somebody leaves from that. They may need something prefers, like you were talking about with some lists of brokers. They're just constantly trading, trying to outperform the markets. That may be their concern. Like, hey, and I told my friend, that's not me. My, my goal is that life plan with you and looking at your, your whole financial life and figure out how do we take care of this. It, investments are going to be part of that, but I'm not out there trying to beat the market or trying to do something crazy. So those people, you know, they still, they maybe want to find family-like advisor like me. They just maybe trying to get to that point of trust with it. They were the same day call back if I'm able to. If not, then we'll try to schedule something within 24 hours to talk to them. They get six touches a year from us. There'll be one appointment with me. There'll be two unscheduled calls from me. There'll be two calls from my office partner. We'll still send a birthday cookie to those people. And with anniversaries, we do five year Now, tell me real quick about the birthday cookie. Because it's almost lunchtime and I'm a little hungry. And I got to know, it sounds like a cool touch. Tell me what it is. Yeah, so it's, uh, we use Cheryl's cookies. I think there's a bunch of sites out there that do the same thing, but that's who we use. It's a partner from ours. Uh, we, you can pre-schedule for them to send out for the client's birthday or just get to their house the day before and every day of, but it's just a happy birthday cookie, little Schindler cookie, and that's what we love about. Just says, hey, anything about you, hope you have a great day today. That's happy awesome. Happy birthday, printing on the cookie. What's it run? Any idea what the cost is? Uh, I think it's between like six nine nine or eight ninety nine. That's right a cool now. touch right there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's something simple. It's not something to me if I got it and I'd be like, oh, somebody sent you. But the people we work with, like, that's a very sweet touch. They'll call us and say, I got your cookie. That was so sweet. You know, we don't bring a card for people. We got a cookie for me. That's amazing. Like, okay, so let's stick with it. Well, you know, as you get older, your birthday becomes less relevant. Unless people say happy birthday to you, especially for 60-year-olds. I mean, who, who's like yeah. making a big deal about their birthday? So anything is a personal touch. It means something to them. So that's a big deal. That's a, yeah. that's a cool idea. Yeah. Then our next one is our uh, yellow clients. I refer to those as kind of like the cup setting when it comes to playing. Like, hey, you got a pretty cheap ticket, but you're on the plane. You're, you're at least there. Those are kind of my close friends, family, or center of influence. They may not be my ideal client like my Platinums or have the opportunity to get there like the Greens. But... I'm not going to fire them. We got a great relationship. They trust me. They're not going to go anywhere because we got that relationship together. But they don't need as much as those other people do. So we're not getting that first class treatment, but they are at least receiving the same kind of service from us. So they get a scheduled call back if they were to call in within three days from me. If uh, my office manager can't handle it, they'll get four contacts in year total. One's going to be a review over the phone or Zoom, two calls from my office manager and then one additional call for me throughout the year to touch on something the last one is our red people uh the goal obviously is to not have any of these at some point in the future um but we got some programs as far as trying to like share clients with people so these essentially i call a last minute ticket or a standby object 
you show up to the airport, it's all booked. You go, Hey, can you put me on standby? Okay. Something opens up. That's how we're handling these people. I don't see myself working at long-term. Maybe you just don't respect or value what they're doing. They're not giving us the information that we need. They may have an old school mindset of how financial services are and don't want to do anything like I'm trying to. They, the biggest thing to me is if you ignore my advice three times, then at that point, it's we're going to rent. If I've tried to tell you three separate times to do something and you buck at it every single time, then you don't value this relationship. Yeah. Uh, those people, you know, after two years of working with our team so far, if we don't feel like they're sharing the fit with us or they respect us in this sense, then we don't need to be working together. And I just tell them, hey, we're going to be taking care of you for the time being, but the way our office operates is A, B, C, and D for our service model. It doesn't seem like that's exactly what you've been looking for working with us. So we're going to make sure you're taken care of, but at some point I may have to have someone in here that will take care of you instead. And they're perfectly fine with that or they'll go find somewhere else to work with. Yeah, because they don't value advice as it stands now. So yeah. why, why do they care, right? Yeah. Or though, does, does it ever, you know, it's interesting though, we have that as well, um, where we, we, we graduated some clients and, who had, in a similar situation, they didn't take advice or they had plans to make contributions to accounts and they never did. And they just were not, no longer ideal clients. We call them core clients in our world. Um, but they never were. And it's fascinating when you call them up and have that conversation. I mean, a lot of them will like start to fight to be with you. Like you're doing the, <laughs> you're doing the takeaway. All of a sudden, like this, I, this guy had this 401k with like half a million dollars in it for five years. He would not like even fathom the conversation. Well, I'm not going to manage, you know, a 15,000 or $25,000 account and give you full comprehensive service. So I just said, you know, I think it's best that you, you know, move this into there. And then all of a sudden we got the 401k. So having those those direct conversations can be really impactful. Have you have you ever found that in, in your practice? Yeah, there, there's been the, actually some of my platinum clients started as those reds. And I, I had that discussion with them a couple of years ago and just said, look, this is where my practice is going. This is what I envision being able to do for people. I love working with you. I felt we've got a great relationship. Talking about the other stuff you've got, you say constantly, you feel like well, we're doing way more than the other places. So I just want to ask you, can we go ahead and just move everything here and let me take care of it? If not, I don't know how long I can keep you because my family is very important to me and my client service is very important to me. And if I've got too many people that just don't trust me to do that, I don't have time for my family and I'm not sacrificing that for someone. Yeah. So, and I, I think probably about 5% said, all right, well, let's move in. The other point, 5% was like, no, you're right. I don't think this is working. They don't worry about it. Yeah. No, it, it works out well for everybody then. Yeah. And by the way, clients deserve to be with an advisor that they trust, they want to work with, and they're willing to take their advice. And yeah. and if that's not us, that's okay. To our point earlier, there's plenty of clients out there who are right fits for your practice. So find those people and you'll have you'll have a much better experience. Now you mentioned, you know, you mentioned your family. I get to check you out on Facebook and I know your family and your faith are important to you. And um, it sounds like you're building your practice around your family and not your, not the other way around. So tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how do you find balance in your life in order to, you know, be the dad and the husband you want to be and still build a uh, successful business? Absolutely. So I mean, the reason I'm so deliberate about how I run my practice is exactly that. It's my family, my clients are top priorities. Like that's, if I'm running a business, my family is embedded in that because that's the reason I'm running a business is to take care of them. So yeah. 
Uh, if I have 600 clients and 400 don't care about having a deep relationship or letting me help them, I don't have any time for my family and I'm not going to do that. Like, I know there's a lot of people that will perfectly fine, but to me, those platinum agreed clients I mentioned, they respect that more than I do because they go, Hey, I understand how important that is. I'm never going to try to compete on your family time. They know how important that is. And they know for me to be the best I can be, I've got to make sure I've got enough time. So I've always been big on getting yourself done and not being guilty about leaving. So I know this industry was like, Hey, you got to work 80, 90 hours a week until you can make it and this. I saw so many people get divorced, lose their families, issues with their kids. And I said, there's no amount of client or money that's going to make me give up my wife and my kids to get that. If it takes me an extra five years doing it this way, all right, perfectly fine. Cause I've got my family. Yeah. So when it, when it came to that time for that, it, I was just deliberate. Like, Hey, I don't want to be over 50 hours a week. If I can get under 40, even better, but I've got to get all of my activities done to meet people, to service people, and then I can go. If I don't have these activities done, I've got to stay and get it done. I've got to tell my wife when I get home, hey, I know it's 6 o'clock, but I didn't get on top of this and get it done. So yeah. um, now it's transitioned. Uh, I'm in the office from Mondays to Thursdays. And during those four days, we're doing all of our prospecting calls, our introduction calls, our client services, take care of everybody. And then on Friday... We get, I get out of the office all day on Friday. So, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, I go to the gym first thing in the morning on Wednesdays. I take my oldest son to his school and then come to the office. I love it. So those, those four days that I'm out exercising, as soon as I get done with that, I'm over at the office. I may stop by, grab my Starbucks on the way <laughs> in the office by at least eight thirty nine o'clock during those office days. And I typically get out about three to four o'clock, depending on how busy the day is. Uh, we do work with some business owners. I see the side of things that I may have to meet at five or so instead. Those are very rare just because my family time, but we do try to tell them, hey, Mondays and Wednesdays are typically best for that because as soon as I'm done, my church is literally 300 yards from my office. <laughs> so Mondays and Wednesdays, we go to church. So if I have an appointment at five o'clock, it's nothing at six, six thirty. You just head up there and meet my family at church. So okay. those are the two days for late things we can do. And then Fridays, once I get down to the gym, I go find a cafe or a coffee shop and I get all of my prep work for the next week ready. So that way I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing every day. So I can get out and get back to my family. And uh, typically by lunch, I have that finished. I'll go meet a group of friends. We have lunch every Friday. And once we're done with that, I'm back home, be with my family for a long weekend. Love it. I tell my clients, the reason that's so important is I need to be fully charged and fully present with you. And I also need to be fully charged and fully present with my family. So as long as I'm with my family doing that, I'm going to be good with you. As long as I'm good with you, I'm going to be good with them. And I respect that. It's, I'm upfront about it. <laughs> I think there's a couple things unpacked there. And, uh, and, and you're dead on. You have to be deliberate about this because this is the kind of job that can absolutely take all of your free time you can bring it home you can do everything there and you don't have to i, I think the the conceptual idea is that you can get a lot done in 40 hours if you're deliberate if you actually are not playing office if when you if when you're in the office you're actually working and not not looking up yahoo finance or on facebook and all these other things if you actually focus on the core tasks that you're going to need to be successful whatever that is and everybody knows what that is in their own business based upon where they're at. If you focus on that, uh, you can be delivered. And the other thing that 
I, I think setting boundaries with clients, that's the other thing you said, that that is so important. I don't do weekend appointments. My last appointment on the calendar is four o'clock. That's it. Now, I will make an exception if I have to, but I haven't made one in like three, four, five years where I met with people after five. Now, I'm not working with business owners. Um, and I have made, I do make exceptions. Sometimes I normally never travel to people. I am traveling to someone in a couple of weeks because they've got $7 million and I will make an exception for, that's a, a lead that I just don't see every week. So I'm willing to make an exception for that. But I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right, Joseph. You've got you've to be very deliberate about how you do this because the job will absolutely suck your life away if you let it. And the money is so good that you'll make excuses and narratives in your own brain that say it's okay to do that. And it's okay if it takes you a little longer to get to the end goal. Like we're, what, what's the rush ultimately? I think if you've got to work yeah. a couple more years to your point and you can still see your kid's soccer game or go to their play or what, or their wrestling match or whatever it is. Awesome. Do it. That's my advice to people. And I think you've underlined it perfectly. I want to pivot just a little bit and talk about your niche that you're working in um, because it's fascinating. And when you first floated this, I was like, what is he talking about? This guy is crazy. He's never going to find any clients doing this. But, you know, when you go narrow and you go deep, there's plenty of people there. So tell me about, tell tell everybody about that. <laughs> yeah, so my, my background, be a professional wrestler, I wish I would have done this from the start just because I still had a pretty good network when I started. But uh, my niche is WWE superstars. And the reason being is professional wrestling is in my blood. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, people want to work with sports people, right? Want to work with NFL people and NBA because there's so much money and all this. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be fun. You're networking. You can work with somebody that's in the NFL. Okay, that's cool. But I got to thinking about it. I was like, I'm not a huge football fan. Not a huge baseball fan. Got some clients that are in those areas. Taking the best care of I possibly can, but that's not a passion. And when I sat down, I went, what am I actually passionate about? It was the pro wrestling industry. And part of the reason me getting in the industry was growing up, you know, seeing my family, people who are close to me struggle financially and just not having somebody that actually had their best interests at heart. They struggled at her. When I was in the wrestling industry, I saw these guys I looked up to that loved watching and they're wrestling in that little flea market on a weekend for 40 bucks. Yeah. Cause they, they just can't make ends meet. And it, it clicked a couple of years ago. I was like, they don't need to be like, I don't think I'll ever be John Cena's financial advisor. I don't think it's going to be that great. But those guys are in that develop, developmental area and getting to the main roster, like SmackDown and Raw, and those guys who are younger, five, 10 years in, I found a real, real specific space with them because they're making a lot of money. They're doing a lot of things, but they don't know what to do. Like, I can make all of this, but what do I do? What do my taxes look like? What about my estate plan? All these issues they run into. So, so what's your pitch? Like, we're going to suplex taxes for you? <laughs> so no, no, I'm just teasing. But yeah, like, how, how, like, how do you even get introduced? I'm not. I actually don't tell us how you get introduced to people. But fascinating. Like, when you're going and talking to them, I'm going to guess your background in professional wrestling. You've got a commonality that that I would never have with them. I'm just yeah. a fan. You're you're like a participant. It's different, right? Yeah, and also that, that's why this was such a specific thing for me because I'm like, okay, these guys are working with somebody at some point. I highly doubt that person's got the experience that I do. They may be in the financial service industry for 20 plus years. They have no idea about the pro wrestling group. 
So some of them be like, yeah, this guy took good care of me because he's an advisor, but there's no personal connection. So all the ones I've gotten so far has been that personal connection. When I said, hey, you share exactly what I did with you. I said, hey, this is the issues that I've seen when I was in the industry. This is what I'm trying to help people avoid with it. Do you work with somebody right now on this? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. All right. No, I don't. I, I actually just talked to my wife. We, we should be talking about this stuff. You got 15 minutes tomorrow. We can chat. I'll share with you what I do. See if it makes sense to discuss further and just work it from there. Now it's working with them with those introductions. I told them, I said, I don't expect you to send me anybody within the first year of us working together because I understand this industry and I know trust is a huge factor for these relationships. Yeah. In the pro wrestling industry, somebody is always trying to screw you up. Doesn't matter who he could be saying he thought it was your best friend. That was one of the things that kind of ruined he had the wrestling was I still have my guard up with everybody. I've got trust issues because of that experience. <laughs> But it's helped me as far as being a personal advisor and knowing how to navigate things. So I told him, I fully expect as we're working together, you will be telling people about me, introducing me to other people that you work with that I could help. I do not expect you to do that for this first year of us working together because I want you to know you can trust me and I want you to feel comfortable when you do tell them about that. Yeah. And that's got a long way. So I, I get it. The first couple conversations may be a little bit rough because we're trying to work stuff out that trust pieces there. Yeah. Like, well, wait a second. I don't know about this or that. All right, let's take a step back, go back to the why behind this. So that's kind of my process with that. It's just, hey, let's get that trust there. Let's make sure we work with each other well. And then if you feel like it makes sense, let's go ahead and start trying to find some more. I think you're doing it the right way. This is such a tight-knit group of people. The, these folks all know each other. They just all know each other. And I got to imagine if you, your reputation is everything, if you get a good reputation there, the sky's the limit. Conversely, you have somebody talking some trash about you out there. It's, uh, it's going to impact you. I can't wait to hear, uh, hear how this goes and watch you dominate the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, the, and a lot of people say professional wrestlers, but you know, they, they're wrestling in different States and they probably have tax issues and, you know, they're yep. in New Jersey. They probably have to file a New Jersey tax return. Like a, uh, like a baseball player does. Um, yep. so, you know, our athletes we work with or any, anybody that it works like that has a set of restrictions and limits and issues they have to deal with that nobody else does. And it's, uh, that's awesome. So I can't wait to hear about it. Thank you for sharing that <laughs> diving into it. Unless you're a professional wrestler, don't even try to get into that niche. It's going to be impossible, but, but <laughs> I always like to protect, you know, our guests when they come on, as we wrap up, I mean, this has been really enjoyable. I want to hear about your vision for the future. So what's next for you? Where do you want to take this? What, what do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself going with this business? Absolutely. So I, I've got a balancing act and I want to help my community and help the people here local, but same time that niche is very important to me and something I'm passionate about. So trying to find a balance of that. My vision for the future is be a premier choice for the long-term financial advice and planning for those WWE superstars. So I would like a majority of my business to be with that group of people because I'm passionate about it. I love it. I understand it. I know how that works. But I still have that section of local people I want to be able to help make a difference for this community and their So my short-term goal, within five years, I'd like to be caring for over about $100 million, which I think is very attainable what I'm trying to do. And at that point, possibly hire a junior advisor to help me with some of that client load to balance things out. Uh, next to me, just honestly, just continue to try to do better, continually learn and be able to serve the clients I work with better and just make sure we provide the best service we possibly can. 
and just trying to make sure I gain that foothold of that WWE sphere to be the guy. That's awesome. I, I didn't ask you the most important question. What was your uh, wrestling name? So I started off as the Hollywood kid, Eddie Adams. And looking back, I went, you idiot. <laughs> and then I transitioned. I loved Eddie Gilbert, the wrestler in Memphis back in the 80s. I loved his style of wrestling. So I adopted to uh, hot stuff, Eddie Adams. Pretty much just copied a lot of the Eddie Gilbert stuff. Then I got married and had kids and put on some weight. So I transitioned from hot stuff to uh, the alpha and omega of professional wrestling. Uh, yeah, I was I was not going to call you hot stuff. I just want to make sure you know that. But, man, it, it was fun that, like, recently I transitioned to back. It's kind of saying to my you know, advising practice. Where I transitioned from, okay, it's hot stuff, it's over the top, it's, yeah, to, okay, let's get serious about this. Let's kind of narrow these things down. It, it made a difference taking that little bit of a wrap to it. So, towards that, I had a bad injury, and after a tryout, this to be bigger and at the time i was 6'3 220 pounds and i was like the work i was putting in to get to that size there was no way just clean i could do that unless i just doubled out and i just did not have time to do that and back to the family piece yeah so at that point i made that transition it was like hey then it's not the dream peak for him to shift to this career piece i want well, look, I, I appreciate the Hollywood kid, the alpha and omega of professional wrestling, Joseph Lander being on with us today. This has been a, a great conversation and, you know, there's a lot of ways to define success in the financial advising world. And I think it's important for you to find what defines your success and then be deliberate about it. What, I, what I'm most impressed about him is he's just deliberate. He's willing to invest time and energy in himself, getting better, doesn't have all the answers. He knows it just like I don't, like you don't. And he's willing to learn. And uh, what a what a fascinating story of uh, of his success. And I hope you've learned something from listening to it. Hey, check out our Facebook page, the Financial Advisors at Edge Community. You can just Google that. I uh, not Google it. You have to actually go on Facebook and put that in. Uh, do that. And then uh, Joseph and I want to encourage you to never go to Iceland because we love it there. Yeah. And we do not want to it's see horrible any horrible there. You don't want to go. You don't want to go. Just don't ever do. I'm going in November. It's a terrible time to go. And uh, no, more than anything, thanks for thanks for listening to the show. Joseph, huge thank you from myself, from Greg, and from Brad for being a friend of the uh, the podcast and being on here today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been real fun. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.